Hello, and welcome to another episode of Daily American Presses Chatting with Abby. It is Christmas, Adam. Happy Christmas, Adam. It is the day before Christmas Eve, and I hope you are having a lovely Christmas season so far. Today, I want to talk about marriage. I have been married for three years to my husband, John. We got married in early 2019, so we're coming up on our third anniversary. Most of our marriage has been within this pandemic, which is kind of depressing, but <laughs> that it is what it is. Um, so there's a couple of reasons I want to talk about marriage today. One is because the news just came out about Madison Cawthorn. Uh, he is a congressman from North Carolina, the youngest member of Congress. He's just a little bit younger than me. Um, he's getting a divorce from his wife after just eight months of marriage, which is really, really sad. Um, Madison is has been uh, kind of a the AOC of the right, if you would. Um, kind of an inspiring character, partly for his youth and partly because he's a paraplegic. He he lost the use of his legs in a horrific car accident when he was in high school. Um, and I actually knew Madison in college. We went to the same college, overlapped for a couple years. He was a year behind me when he came in. And um, he, it was a, it's a really small school. So even though we weren't exactly in the same friend group, uh, same circles, I did know him and uh, had had some good interactions with him and some less good interactions with him. I I think that he's grown a lot as a person since since I knew him, and I think a lot of kids his age um, are are really immature, especially especially guys. I think he was a pretty typical young guy, and I I have been surprised and impressed with his track record in in Congress, um, especially considering you know, my experience with him. Which I, I'm not I, I don't mean to disparage him in any way. I I'm you know, really proud to know him. Um, so it is really sad that that his his marriage didn't work out. I have no idea why, um, and I don't presume to judge. The other reason I want to talk about marriage today is my husband texted me this morning saying that he was he was chatting with his buddies at the the fire department and just talking about and listing through all of the marriages that ended this year and, and instances of cheating that happened just this year and just inside that one fire department. And it is, he said, it makes me feel really sick that something like this could happen to us. And that really illustrates a lot of how I have been feeling over the past couple years. The fire service is an incredibly, it's a really easy job to cheat inside. It's a it's easy to be a firefighter and cheat on your wife. Just, you know, tell her that you're you're on shift, on 24-hour shift when you're not. And it's really easy for a firefighter's wife to cheat um, while she knows her husband is on shift. Um, it's just, it's kind of like pilots. Pilots are also known as an industry where cheating is really rampant. Uh, it's just one of those jobs where it's it's especially common. So it's, John and I find it discouraging as a young married couple to be in such an environment where there's so much ending of relationships and so much destruction 
and so much cheating in particular. Um, we trust each other, we do, but it's very tough to to be in this environment. Um, I would say that there's no one in our lives where we can look to and say, that's that's a good marriage. That's That's where I want to be in 30 years. That's what I want to aspire to. There are married people in our lives who seem reasonably content, but a lot of them, if you talk to them about marriage, it really just comes down to, they say, well, divorce is not an option. People say that a lot. Divorce is not an option. As if that's, that's the least romantic thing I've ever heard. Um, I'm still with this person because I have no other options. I'm still with this person, even though I probably don't want to be, because I don't believe I'm allowed to go anywhere. My, my faith prohibits it. Because Jesus, even though I don't want this, don't like this, I'm here, begrudgingly. I think that that, yes, that follows the letter of the law that Jesus said, I hate divorce. God hates divorce. That follows the letter of that law, but not the spirit of it. If, if Jesus, if God hates divorce, then I'm pretty certain he hates marriages where people don't want to be in them just as much. Marriages where there's no unity, there's no real relationship there. It's just roommates who barely tolerate each other. People who hide huge parts of their personhood from each other to avoid conflict. People who can't talk about the things that they, that matter to them or bother them. They can't talk about things because they know that there will be some sort of, you know, retribution whether that's a physical abuse situation or whether that's just knowing that if they say something that they are feeling their spouse is going to be so angry, it's just not worth bringing it up. And that's really, really sad. You're supposed to be able to give yourself completely to another person. Marriage is supposed to be two people, two different people, um, Binding their lives up together and binding their souls up together. Becoming one flesh is how the Bible describes it, right? You're not supposed to be two different people who can barely get along and who are only in it because they're following some sort of law. I I hate divorce. I think it's an awful, awful thing. But of course it's an option. Of course divorce is an option. Um... I think it's silly. That line is silly. I think one of the beautiful things about marriage is that divorce is an option and that every day, it's not a cliche, you do have to choose your spouse every day. You have to choose to stay with that person. You could easily choose not to and you have to choose them if you want to be, you know, really to, to have a real marriage. Um, and I, I look at the statistics and I find it hard to hope, difficult to hope that in 20, 30 years, John and I will, will have a real marriage. Uh, I'm not saying I want to be Twitter pated in 30 years. It's, being Twitter pated is 
exhausting and uh, no one could survive being Twitter paid for 30 years straight. But to have a functional marriage, to have a an actual union of two people in 30 years, I, ha- I find it so hard to hope for that. People, the divorce rate is 50%, um, and that doesn't include people who didn't get married in the first place and, and have a committed relationship where they were living together uh, that, that ended. People who thought they were going to be together forever and it ended. Everybody thinks that they're going to be accept- the exception to the rule, right? No one gets married thinking that they're going to get divorced. You wouldn't get married if you thought you were going to get divorced. Everyone thinks that they're going to be the exception to the rule. And then 50% of people don't. And then of the 50% that are successful, I know very few people who who seem actually happy, who seem like they actually have a good marriage. I, I don't see good role models in in my circles. And I hope you do. I hope that I'm just living in the wrong neighborhood. You know what I mean? Um, and I'm not saying every everybody I know has a miserable marriage. I think people are probably happier than I think they are. It's kind of a common thing in our culture to, as a point of small talk, complain about your spouse. And so I think that people are happier than they appear sometimes. And I... I would encourage you to not do that, (laughs) to not complain about your spouse. It's not funny. It's not um, edifying. I know many young people, young couples and young non-married people who are desperate for some sort of example, some sort of hope they can look to for the success of marriage, and we're coming up empty. I hear older generations spend a lot of time mocking young people and critiquing young people for our inability to commit and our our fear of commitment and our inability to, to sustain marriages. But like, how can we hope when, when we have no examples to look to? Um, what, For me, it feels foolish to hope that I could be the exception to the rule, to hope that John and I could continue to be as happy as we are now when very few others seem to be, when the things that I hear most often about marriage are that it's hard work and you have to slog through it and it's this trial and divorce is not an option. You just have to stick with it. And I hear very few positive things about marriage. And when I do hear a positive thing, it just seems like lip service. I see the obligatory anniversary posts that are, you know, sappy and and seem disingenuous. They don't they don't seem particularly real. So, yes, I know that Probably I shouldn't spend so much time looking at other relationships and and comparing myself to other relationships. But at the same time, I think everybody needs good role models. And I'm kind of desperate to find some. (laughs) Um, John and I feel like we're on this island. And it's hard to hope for a good future. And I'm, I'm constantly surprised 
that we're so happy. I'm constantly surprised at how easy it's been so far. And I, I just keep waiting for the other shoe to drop, to be honest. I have never had a lot of hope about marriage. I kind of got married without very much hope. Um, to this day, I don't really know how I, why I got married if I really felt that way about it. And I've been so pleasantly surprised. But I don't know how to be hopeful. Um, and I think he struggles with some of the same things. I don't think stating divorce is not an option as the reason you're still together reflects well on your marriage. I think a lot of what... I think older generations sometimes are spending so much time trying to stress that it shouldn't just be about happy love feelings and that you have to put energy and effort into into a relationship. You have to feed a relationship in order for it to thrive. I think sometimes older generations spend so much time trying to enforce those ideas that they forget to say anything good about marriage and forget to talk about why the, the hard work is worth it. And... Um, just end up communicating whether they mean to or not that marriage is this really bleak trial that once entered into you can never escape and generally tend to communicate regret um i don't know many people who don't seem to regret their marriages even the successful ones and that that's really discouraging to me um I keep a chalkboard in our bedroom that just has this chalk heart on it. And inside the heart, I've written Abby and John forever. And I have kept that there as a reminder that um, even though we wrote forever, it's I could take a wet cloth and in one moment wipe that away. The... The promise is that fragile, and I think pretending otherwise is silly. You can end a marriage in one evening. You can make one decision that absolutely destroys a marriage. Um, cheating is so easy and so common. And to me, that that's the end of, of a relationship. I don't understand people who stay together after cheating or at least people who go on as if the cheating didn't happen. I think when cheating happens, that that is an end. And then if you're able to start over and rebuild from the ground, then that's amazing. And, and the power of forgiveness in there is amazing. But I think that some oftentimes people just keep going because they believe divorce is not an option and because they don't know anything else and there's a security in the marriage or sometimes there's kids and so I just see people go on after cheating in these incredibly dysfunctional trustless loveless marriages that that are really are over um, and were over from the minute that wet cloth was taken to the chalkboard right I don't want John to stay with me because he has to I don't want John to stay with me because divorce is not an option. I want John to stay with me because he wants to stay with me. And I don't mean that I want him to be 
constantly Twitterpated in love with me all the time, constantly feeling the hot fires of passion. Like, it's not always going to be like that because the human body cannot withstand that. That's just not reasonable to even want. But I want John to choose me over every other woman in the world. Not to choose me because he has no other choice. Um, because he's trapped inside this law that he can't he can't walk away from. Duty bound to stay married to someone he doesn't like. I hate that. I, I hate that. I hate seeing people in those situations. It's so depressing to think that John and I could could feel that way about each other in just a few years. And it's so depressing to watch marriages that were were happy before children fall apart after children. That makes me terrified to have children. <laughs> and and uh, and yes, I am very pessimistic about this topic. I really am, and I have been most of my life. I have been. I used to. I remember as a kid, I used to think, the minute you say "I do," that's when love ends. That people are only in love until they until they make the commitment and then that's kind of the beginning of the end for them and uh that's really awful I can't I I can believe I believed that and I kind of still believe that even though my own life is proving it to be false so far um God hates divorce but I think that he hates it in all its forms, not just the legal form of signing a document saying you want a divorce. He hates it when people who promised to become one flesh don't. When people who were supposed to be unified forever basically just live in the same house as roommates. Um, people talk a lot about like how much work marriage takes and I wish there was more specificity in those conversations about what that even means. Um, but as far as I can see it, it's like feeding yourself, right? I, I can't expect my body to keep running if I'm not feeding it. And I can't expect my relationship with John to keep being healthy if I don't spend time with him, if I don't talk to him, if I don't share with him and let him share with me, if I keep parts of myself locked away from him or um, fail to make an environment where he feels like he can share with me. And of course, we're going to be different people. Uh, we are different people. And we think differently sometimes. Uh, we're, we're actually kind of opposites. So there are definitely times when we want different things. Our wants are in conflict with each other, or our thoughts are in conflict with each other, or even our needs are in conflict with each other. And so there's always going to be energy that has to be put into working through conflict. And conflict isn't a bad thing. I, I like that we fight. I like that it's safe for us to fight. I think that the beginning of an end of the end for any relationship is when you stop fighting, when you stop thinking that it's worth it to um, butt heads and and work through things together when you just, you know, roll over or expect the other person to roll over or just 
kind of agree to disagree and, and kind of end up living separate lives instead of becoming one flesh, you, you have to change. In order for a marriage to work, you absolutely have to change. Now, I don't, obviously, conditional love is an awful thing and you should never, you know, get into a marriage demanding that the other person change, expecting that the other person change. You can't force somebody to change. But at the same time, when you have two different people who are sinful, the worst parts of yourself are going to be front and center in your relationship. When you get marriage is, I think, the most dangerous of all the relationships because in in every other relationship, you can kind of hide. You can find ways to hide the worst parts of yourself and you can kind of mitigate that and not let it be front-facing. Um, my coworkers' toxic traits will never hurt me the same way that John's do. And, and I will not hurt my coworkers ever the same way that I can hurt John. Marriage puts the the worst parts of yourself on full display. You can't not see them. And so because your bad parts will hurt the other person the worst, those are things that you have to be willing to scrape away from yourself. You have to be willing to change and let those things go as you see the bad things about yourself, as you understand what is wrong with you, you have to be willing to, to change and to let the other person change you and become someone who hurts them less and who does less damage to them. And I think that it is an awful thing when this happens only one-sided in a relationship where one person refuses to change is stubborn and, and insists on being the, the person they are when, you know, with all their bad parts, refuses to ever make a change. And then the other person just erases themselves. The other person just rolls over and rolls over and rolls over. And this is an example that has been set to me uh, in, in marriage for sure. Or, or couples that just enable each other to be to be awful and kind of direct that awfulness out outwards and, and they they hurt other people in their lives instead of hurting each other and that's an interesting dynamic for sure I've seen that on display as well selfishness is something that every human struggles with and selfishness is going to be the thing I think that is ultimately destructive to any marriage when you when you demand that your partner put you first and you put you first, right? You, you want to be treated like a queen, but you treat your partner like a servant. These are things that are, this is some of the hard work that people are talking about. It, it is hard to put somebody else first, right? Especially if you don't perceive that they're putting you first. It's always easy to overestimate your contribution, overestimate your sacrifice, overestimate your part of the compromise, and underestimate the other person's. 
And this is why, because all of this is hard and complicated and sometimes really difficult to see when you're in the middle of it, this is why it's so important to have good role models, people who have been through it, who who have been married 20, 30, 40 years and are still functional. They're, they're happy. They're content. They, of course, they're not going to be perfect and they're not going to be able to say everything's perfect all the time. But people who are able to say, this is how we did it and this is how you can do it too. People who can bring younger married couples up and and teach us how to do it because for me and John we're just figuring it on our own we do not have we have the bible and we have bad examples that we know we don't want to follow and that's kind of how we're building our marriage and I guess it's working so far but I, (laughs) I don't I don't know how to do it. I I don't know how to be helpful. I don't know how to be married. I, in all I hear, for the most part, from married couples is either kind of this doom and gloom type of stuff about marriage or are the complaints that are constant about about spouses and kids. And um, just kind of that lip service. Oh, my beautiful wife. Oh, my, you know, the things that make marriage just seem cringeworthy and and not worth it. And and why does this all matter? Like why does it why does it even matter? I think it's because nuclear family is the center of the culture. Um, and our country is falling apart, is falling apart, and it is falling apart from the center. This started when marriages started falling apart. And this has been happening for generations. This isn't a new thing that marriages have been falling apart. They're falling apart at a higher rate now than they used to be. But we have been, older generations have been failing to set good examples of marriage, examples that could be followed. And they failed to teach the younger generations for for several generations now how to, you know, how to even do this, how to even be married and to raise kids and and to have a healthy home. These are things that that barely exist anymore. And I find that a lot of the older generations find someone to blame. I see the feminists blamed a lot, the colleges, godlessness. But divorce rates are happening in in churches and in conservative circles at exactly the same rates as elsewhere. So I find that difficult to believe. I really do think it comes down to selfishness and and even the best people in society being unwilling or unable or just not knowing how to be married um and so all i can do is is hope and pray that despite john and i despite our sinful selves and and our toxic traits that we're still working hard to to fix um, and despite the statistics, uh, by the grace of God, I pray that we can make it and to be one of the very few good examples out there of a, a healthy marriage. Um, and I, I pray that, that you, if you're listening to this and you're, you're married, that, that you can be too and that, that we'll make it together and start to build up a community of 
of healthy marriages again, because I think that's the only way to rebuild the country. I think it's the only way is to to have a healthy marriage and to raise children in a healthy marriage and teach them how to how to be married too. So with that, I will leave you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> On that note, Merry Christmas. <laughs>